0: And welcome to our Jackson home this week. I'm joined by Billy King. He's the president of the Big Black Creek Historical Association. Um, Mr. King, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for asking us. Yeah.
0: So uh, <clears throat> I usually like to start the show by people talking about a little bit about who they are. Uh, so Mr. King, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Okay?
1: I grew up um, really in Bemis. I was born in Bemis actually. And went to J.B. Young High School there, and uh, then from there into the Army, and from there to Bethel College, actually, where mm-hmm. I went and attended. I uh, met my wife there and married our freshman year in college, Okay. which I don't advise anybody to do, because <laughs> <laughs> you have to live in one room, and you can't even afford a hamburger, you know, so yeah. life gets a little hard, but we both graduated from Bethel College, and And then uh, Judy graduated with a degree in nursing and went on to five other degrees before her death of cancer several years ago. And I went into the insurance business brokerage with uh, Banker's Life and Casualty, actually. And they transferred me from here to Memphis, where I was the divisional vice president, and then from there to the state of Louisiana, where I set the company up in um, brokerage firms with property and casualty in Louisiana. And uh, I stayed with them one year and then formed my own brokerage company. And then after 30 years of that, I sold it. And I went to work for the state of Louisiana in the Department of Tourism, actually. Okay. And really enjoyed that. So Mm -hmm. technically, I stayed on with them for five years. And the plan always was to move back to Denmark. Uh My family has an old family farm there that we've had since 1854. Mm -hmm. And so our plan was to build there. After Judy's death, I didn't build. I literally took one of the tenant houses or sharecropper houses and restored it and moved into it. And when I got here, after working for several years in history in Louisiana, I just, along with some cousins of mine, which rural communities have lots of them. Yeah, I think
0: you just, uh, they can't see that, but you used air quotes around the word cousins.
1: (laughs) 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 I talk a lot with my hands, as you realize. And one day, really at the truck stop, we just started talking and I made a comment. I wonder how many historic sites are in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it was in and around Denmark, of course, and it's all rural. You know, there are no major towns in that part of the county or that part of the state. So we literally got in a truck and just began riding around and saying, well, you know, something happened at this spot, something happened at this spot. And from there, we saw what we considered five endangered buildings that we were really going to lose if something didn't happen to them. One of them was the old Ebenezer Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Mercer that was built in 1910. And yet the congregation dates back to 1840. And then the Denmark Presbyterian Church, which was built in 1854, and dates back to 1823. Mm -hmm. And neither one of them were being used anymore as Mm -hmm. churches. Um, There were several other buildings. And so we determined from there we really ought to do something to save those buildings, to preserve that part of the history. And cemeteries became a part of that, really the first part of it. We're up now to 52 cemeteries in a 10-mile radius around Denmark. Most of them are old family cemeteries, long forgotten. And uh, we decided then we needed to organize and become a 501 c 3 not-for-profit foundation. And the Big Black Creek wanders all over the neighborhood, literally starts with natural springs almost to Bemis, and then go all through and culminate into a creek, literally, at Denmark and then goes from there to the Hatchie River at, at Steve Bower's place, favorite place, which is the Estenale Landing. And Estenale is a Chickasaw word, and it means here we cross. Um, yeah. The trail, the Estenale Trail, comes from Birdie County, North Carolina, and comes all the way through, right in front of the Denmark Church, uh-huh. and right on down to the crossing at Hatchie, and has always been called the Estenale Trail. It crosses the river there, and goes to the Chickasaw Bluffs in Memphis is what it actually does. Hmm. So the creek follows a lot of that route and goes all over the neighborhood. So we decided that would be a good name for it It's the yeah. Big Black Creek Historical Association. So we formed that, and then we approached, really, the Cumberland Presbyterian Church about the church in Denmark, I mean, in Mercer. It was in really bad shape. And they gave it to us and gave us it and everything in it. And I'm not sure they realized what all was in it, because a lot of the furniture dates back to 1840, the pews and and some of the pulpits and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then there's a painting. There's a life-size painting in the church that was done by an artist from Stuttgart, Germany. He sent his canvas in on the train. And, of course, in those days, the train stopped at Mercer Mm -hmm. and uh, unloaded his canvas and stayed with Miss Annie Sue Mulherin, who was the first woman principal of Madison County and she lived in in Mercer and was a member of this church and he painted the life-size picture of Christ on Mount Olivet is what it is. So what we did we wrote the quick claim deed with the Presbyterians to say the church and everything in it <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up getting the painting of course and all the pews we restored that building that was the first one that we did and uh, We use that building now. Uh, We even have uh, projection screens that come down out of the ceiling. So we do movies at the Ebenezer Cumberland Church. The old Denmark church was really in as bad a shape, if not worse, and of course was much older. It was built in 1854 by slave labor, a large congregation there. Uh, That church will seat about 300, and it has a Masonic lodge upstairs over it, the lodge dates to 1847, so one of the earliest lodges. Denmark is the oldest town in West Tennessee. Really? Um, why,
0: why is that? What What was it about that, that Denmark spot then?
1: Okay, um, When the really when the surveyors were coming through after the Treaty of 1818, that's when the treaty was signed with the Chickasaws mm-hmm. giving us West Tennessee, actually. And when the surveyors came through, they found a squatter really living at that site. <laughs> his name was John Rose. And he told them the name of the spot, literally, and that's all it was at that time, that the Chickasaws called it Denmark. Two separate words, Denmark, cause the animal dens were in the air and it was their hunting ground. Ironically, the name just stu- stuck after that, when the post office, and the post office in Denmark is the oldest continuing operating post office in West Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It was established in 1820. Every year, we will have 30 or 40 visitors from the country of Denmark. Yeah, They think there's a connection yeah. <laughs> with their country, and they come, and then we have to tell them the story. No, as far as we know, there's nothing connected with the country itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Abear brothers were squatters also, and they had a trading post on the Big Black Creek at Denmark literally, Mm -hmm. and became one of the biggest trading posts in West Tennessee, it was in conjunction with the Chickasaws, and the Chickasaws were using the Black Creek to go from Denmark, and there are four Indian mounds at Denmark of the Chickasaws, and we're uh, excavating those mounds right now, and they're carbon dating to a 1000 AD, so that's when the village was actually there, and it was a village. We think about 500 lived there. Wow. course, the mounds were dotted all over West Tennessee. Really, it was mm-hmm. West Tennessee was kind of a melting pot for the Chickasaw, the Choctaw, and the Cherokee. All three, mm-hmm. and and spoke languages very close to each other, and considered themselves brother tribes. Actually, mm-hmm. so that area was heavily populated, of course, with Indians all through there. Um, but anyhow, the the name Denmark just always stuck, yeah. and. Uh, So it is the oldest town then in West Tennessee, and at one time was the largest town in West Tennessee. It was bigger than Jackson or Memphis, either one. Mm. The old Presbyterian church there is the mother church of all the Presbyterians of West Tennessee. The Denmark church established the Brownsville church, the Jackson church, the Memphis church. All were established by the church there in Denmark. And the same thing was true of the Baptist, the Baptist church there, which was called Big Black Creek Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. It became the mother church uh, of most of the Baptists. We know now that 30 Baptist churches out of West Tennessee came from the Denmark church, actually. And the Methodists, of course, had a church there also. But uh, we have restored the Denmark church. It has become a major tourist attraction. We're running about 500 tourists a month who literally come out there in the country, and it is in the country. Uh, Denmark today, population on a big day is seven. And so so we went from the largest town to seven. And, And there's a reason. The first reason was they would not let the train come through It was noisy and dirty, and they didn't want it. They considered Denmark being a very sophisticated town, and it was. Two of the first schools of Madison County were actually in Denmark. Mm -hmm. The Presbyterian Church had a female and a male academy, both. So it was kind of a sophisticated little town as far as that's concerned. The railroad went around then, and that's what established the town of Mercer. it went through the spot there and mercer is on the big black creek mm-hmm. and really is only about four miles from the Hatchie river and the river had a lot of traffic coming up and down it uh, it was navigable uh, matter of fact all the way up to what was called Town, or the predecessor of bolivar really mm. and uh, so steamboats could get that far up the river most of the larger ones couldn't go any farther than Hatchie station which is still a place on the river. And there is a steamboat turnaround at Hatchie Station because the big steamboats would have to come in and turn around to go back down river. Yeah. I kid the TVB here, the tourist, wrote that uh, Estonale was the first tourist attraction in West Tennessee. Yeah, There were two hotels at Estonale, and they were gambling hotels, is mm-hmm. what they were. And the steamboats would come, the gambling boats more specifically, from Memphis. And up to, they could come all the way up to Fort Randolph and then come up the Hatchie River to Estonale. And they would overnight there, of course, yeah. and gamble is what it really There was a racetrack there also. Wow. And then go back down to Memphis the next day. So technically, it was the first tourist attraction of West Tennessee. I have to tell you this, we, we've done I've written, I'm on the fourth book right now of the okay. history of that area. And... Uh, one of the most colorful characters, I guess, was Obadiah Dodson, and he came in from Halifax, Virginia. He was a Baptist preacher, and really, all of our churches in our area, he had something to do with the starting, but he was well-educated. He graduated from William and Mary. He wrote the first book ever published in Madison County on the raising of children, hmm. and he organized the Big Black Creek Baptist Church, which was the first Baptist church then in West Tennessee, and... Uh, He and some other friends went down to Estinale to get on a steamboat to go into Memphis and didn't realize that they were getting on a gambling boat. And of course, here's three preachers on a gambling boat. We know that Obadiah had an excellent singing voice. And so he stood up and just started singing. And slowly the card game stopped and he began preaching about the perils of life. We've even uncovered his sermon. And in it, he says that, you know, you never know when life's going to end, and especially on an old river, that the boat could <laughs> blow up, it could hit a sandbar and turn over. And by the time they got to the Brownsville Landing, which would have been the next one downriver, they had thrown all the cards overboard, and Obadiah stopped the steamboat and baptized all of them in the Hatchee River. <laughs> well, bet and the he did a lot of him. stuff like that, and he left, and he, he was preaching that, we should send missionaries to the Louisiana Purchase, which Uh was just taking place. And finally we discovered that he actually went. We couldn't find him for a long time, but we did discover that's where he was and, matter of fact, helped form what's called the Louisiana Baptist Convention. So he played a big impact on the settlement not only of our area of Madison County and Haywood County, but also the state of Louisiana at the same time. So anyhow, the historical group has grown from a cemetery group to a restoration group, now we're on our fifth building actually, and then to a history, to to researching the history of that particular area. We try to stay kind of in a 10 mile radius. Big Black Creek, uh, if people wanna see it, our website is just www.bigblackcreekhistorical, and right now it is ranked number one in America in history on yahoo google and MSN, all three so you can go there and see everything from our cemetery work to the restoration of the buildings mm-hmm. and everything that we're doing and then our facebook page is just big black creek and you can go to it easily and see all the projects that are underway in the neighborhood right now whatever okay. it happens to be we um, do a lot of interesting things we do cemetery walks and we clean up cemeteries, and we redo stones. In all of that, we have discovered a cemetery at Hatchie Station that nobody was really aware of. On our, on our website, if you go in on it, there's a place for a comment or a question or whatever, and that comes back to my email. That's what it does. Mm. And about now, four months ago, I had one just said, do you know about the cemetery at Hatchie Station? And we didn't, and I just <laughs> said no and we don't even know where it is, and yeah. so the lady that was uh, answering back and forth and told me what farm it was on, and we went to it and found it very easily, but the great thing about it, the tombstones are dating to 1814. That's four years before the signing of the treaty with the Chickasaw Indians, okay. and, and the names, we recognize the names on them, and uh, Matter of fact, we've had part of those families coming from all the way to the Dakotas because they didn't know where their family was and yeah. they were at Hatchie. The other thing, if people are just getting out and riding around, is to go to Hatchie Station. There's a bridge across the river at Hatchie Station. That was, a, that was a road, actually, and the bridge closed, really, in 1944. It's a big metal frame building. We now know who even built the bridge, and it was the Rip Logo Steel Company here in Jackson and they cut those bridges out. And there was one here, there was one on 45 at Bemis, there was one on the Hart's Road, and one at Westover. And they're all just exactly alike. Mm-hmm. The others all cross the Forkidere River, and this one crossed the Hatchie. We're trying to restore that one. It hasn't been used since 1944. The Madison County Road goes right up to the end of the bridge. And what we're wanting to do is refloor the bridge and fix it so you can go out on it and look up and down the Hatchie River. Mm. So that's kind of been an on awesome project that we're working on. Well,
0: there's <laughs> a, we, just, we just covered a lot of ground. Um, <laughs> what was the spark that moved you from insurance into history? Like, what was what did, what what motivated when, that?
1: Uh, I sold my company, my brokerage company in Louisiana, and uh, my wife had passed away. She was a professor at Louisiana College, professor of nursing there. And uh, I decided to stay on for no apparent reason, other than of course I was pretty well established in that area and had already been working a great deal with the tourism department, helping them in history in that area. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did go to work for the state of Louisiana and my office was in a slave cabin actually on the oldest standing house in central louisiana and so i got very interested in that and the history of that particular family Mm -hmm. and really did all the research on that house called kent plantation is what it's called and it belongs to the state of louisiana so i was really working for the state at kent house and um, that really got me real interested in history Mm -hmm. and and really then like i said when i came back here just in a conversation with cousins, I just said one about the history of our area, because right. really there hadn't been much done about it. Mm-hmm. There had been a book on, written on the history of Madison County, mm-hmm. but many years ago, and then of course Mr. Harvard Alexander was the county historian at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and is again. Again, again. And
0: been a guest on this show, so you can yeah, go back and I listen to the Harvard Alexander <laughs> I, I have. I did that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and, and his, all of his farmland, see, is at Denmark. It's right down okay. there with us and Estenale and Hatchy Station and all that. So he's down there all the time. And his family and my family came on the same wagon trains. His, his family roots is Rice, Mr. Hobart. Rice was his uh, great-grandpappy that acquired the great part of the land. Most people don't know this, but Mr. Hobart is the largest landowner in Madison County. And Haywood County (laughs) Wow. so so he is a farmer yeah and I lay this hat here this is not one of them but the co-op gives me hats all the time (laughs) and I don't farm anymore of course and Mr. Hobbit always says I spend all the money at the co-op and Bill gets the hat (laughs) (laughs) which is the truth
0: (laughs) you you mentioned you were a cemetery group what is what is that that's where you kind of started. Were, were you just discovering these, or were you restoring them? Like what? Yes, yes,
1: all of the above. What what is when, restoring
0: a cemetery? How do you? I feel like that's we a,
1: started really in the in the old Denmark Presbyterian. It's in behind the Presbyterian Church, of course, back in there, and it's in pretty good condition. But uh, when we begin really looking at it, one of the first things we discovered those tall stones will fall over. And then the grass will grow over them and the leaves, and you lose them. You don't really even know it's a grave anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, really, in digging a little flower bed in one of the cemeteries, really the Big Black Creek one, I kept hitting something. And when I dug it up, it was a stone. And then I realized you know, what was really happening. So we got a plumber's probe is what it really is, just a long, steel bar. And they always bury in rows. And so you just go down through there with that promise probe and you'll hit those stones. Mm-hmm. In the Woodland Cemetery, just over in Haywood County, we uncovered probably a hundred stones that were in that cemetery. Because that, that originally was the uh, Browns Creek Baptist Church is what it was. Mm-hmm. Right at, that's over to our second church really. And uh, that sparked an interest with three or four different people is it well just wonder how many are here that we don't mm-hmm. know about. And so out of that came quote a little cemetery group, Uh and they do that all the time. I mean, that's just their passion. They go to the cemeteries and look them up, and then we now mark most of them. We put a sign somewhere that identifies there's a cemetery back in here, and if we know the name, we put that on there, and then we put it on the GPS so anybody can go then and find exactly where that cemetery is located.
0: Why is that important?
1: I tell you, you would not believe, son, the number of inquiries on a daily basis of we're looking for so-and-so. Mm. Do you know where they might be? We think they're in this cemetery. So I, And we belong to what's called Find a Grave, and that is a national organization. And when somebody is looking for an ancestor, they can go to Find a Grave. Mm. If it picks up in our general area, then I've got about four people, and they will search till they find that if that's possible. Mm. That has been a big part of what we have done—the
0: genealogy, the stuff.
1: genealogy part of it exactly. And uh, if we're right now going back into the slave area, and we've located in the community now three slave cemeteries, and then we've located—and these are things
0: people just didn't had forgotten it existed, didn't
1: even know they were there, didn't wow. know, you know, just didn't like well, the one, the best one I like is the Hatchy one. You know, here's, we we were saying a lot of times that there were squatters here way before 1818. Mm -hmm. And I would base it on the War of 1812. Because Andrew Jackson, you know, took all these soldiers down to New Orleans to fight Mm -hmm. a little battle down there. Yeah, there's a song about that or something. Yeah, yeah. And he took the Chickasaws with him. They Mm -hmm. went down, because they didn't like the creeks. You know, (laughs) so that's who was down there. Well, you know that when they came back, they'd made friends with those indians they'd been down there fighting with yeah. them and you know i don't believe i'll go back home i'll just stay here you know so i think from this early oh i don't know the first the first thing we found recorded that says a quote white man was in west tennessee is in about 1400 mm-hmm. and then the french too they were coming up from new orleans and they would come up to the Hatchie river and turn at what we call fort randolph and. And go right up to Estenale mm-hmm. and so they were fur trading with the Chickasaws way back in the 1400s. Mm-hmm. So, so, there were Caucasians in here, I'm sure, back as far as that easily.
0: You guys have restored several of these extremely old buildings. Yes. What is it like restoring a building? What is how does what are the steps of that? How does that how does that work? It seems like it would be very difficult. <laughs>
1: It's called money, primarily. Okay. <laughs> and just recently, I spoke to the Tennessee Tourism Association, and they said, Mr. Billy, you always raise a lot of money for your projects, big time. Yeah. How do you do it? Now, on the air, they can't see this, and I just always pull my hand and say, oh, God help us. <laughs> yeah. The Denmark Church has been the largest. We have raised probably $750,000 for its restoration, and still are working on it. I mean, we, don't, we don't consider it finished yet, although it's quite different from what it was. It was almost on the ground, literally. The uh, seals had rotted under those walls, and of course it's two stories, so it's a great big building. Mm. And they were rolling out from under it, and it was just letting the walls separate from the church. And the west wall was 25 inches away from the building itself. So it was fixing to let the entire building come down. And when we saw that, and that's one of the first ones of the Ebenezer that we started on, is that we knew we had to prop that building up, or it was going to come down. And the lumber in it is hand hewn, so the timbers are huge in it. Of course, even on the second floor. As a matter of fact, when you stand, you wonder how in the world did they get those timbers up there? You know, with no lift of any kind. Yeah. And of course, one of the things well, they had 150 slaves, so yeah. which is the truth? Yeah. Because slaves helped build the building and were members. While I'm saying that. Um, every church in our community every one of the churches the slaves were members of the churches they were actually a part of the congregation and so some of the cemeteries that we found are adjacent to the white cemetery will be right beside it usually and so they were active members of that church even though they were slaves and uh, but anyhow Mostly everything we do is donation mm-hmm. or writing grants, which we do a lot of that. And uh,
0: well, and then, and then do you guys then mm-hmm. pay professionals to re- renovate, or how does or do you guys when do it that?
1: starts? When they start, nearly every time it's volunteers who are mm-hmm. coming to help. And fortunately for me, I have a very active board, there are 14 members on the Big Black Creek board, and of course, it is a 501c not for profit and those members are very active. They all participate in whatever we happen to be doing. And uh, so if we can shore the building up or put the roof on it or whatever as volunteers, that's what we do first. Uh, We do get a lot of grant money and and some of it comes from the Convention of Visitors Bureau And they'll always say Big Black Creek can take a dollar and stretch it further than anything else. But we have a lot of partners. One has been Home Depot. They have bent over backwards sometimes in lumber for us and materials that we need. And and other companies too, certainly not just Home Depot. But they've been the lead out there with us on a lot of Mm -hmm. that stuff. And what we try to do is determine what the cost is going to be. Now I don't think any of us ever dreamed that it would cost us seven hundred thousand for the Denmark Church, mm-hmm. but it did, and we don't owe anything, so you know we're okay, debt free. And so everything we do, we're working on a store building right now. I mean, that's who's call, who called a minute ago. <laughs> it's from there. Most people didn't even know it was there. It was so overgrown you couldn't even tell it was there, and it is in Denmark, and we've cleaned it all up now, and are mowing the fields all around it, and make it into a very pretty place is what we're doing and so we uh, we own several cemeteries uh, they've been given to us the Big Black Creek Cemetery belongs to Big Black Creek and the Methodist Cemetery in Denmark does too but they're not active the only reason that we would take one is so that nothing happens to it ironically cemeteries will get destroyed a bulldozer can end a cemetery quite quick, mm-hmm. and it does happen, even though it's against even the federal law. Every now and then we have found where one has been bulldozed mm. up. So if we think a cemetery is in danger of something like that, then we will go about putting it in the name of Big Black Creek, and yeah. and then we mark it so they know this, this property belongs to Big Black Creek <coughs> Historical. So.
0: so if someone was looking, do you guys have annual events? If someone wanted to come for an afternoon, I guess, or you know, to come see the sites, what are they? If
1: they go on our website, if they would just want to come out and look at the church, for example, uh, there are phone numbers and they can call and somebody will meet them at the church. Fortunately, when we were doing the church, the windows had been replaced in about 1950 and they had put frosted glass in. Well, of course, they didn't have frosted glass in those days. So we knew they were not the original windows, Mm -hmm. and the windows were going to cost us about $50,000 just for the windows, and we didn't have that kind of money at that time. Upstairs in the Old Masonic Lodge, we found some window sashes, and when you looked them over, you realized these are the original windows to the church. They were in pretty bad shape. And we didn't know how to put them back together. Mm -hmm. And in this project, we were using teenagers in the neighborhood. They were helping do that. So uh, I really thought that uh, City Lumber could do that with their cabinet shop. And Mr. Pope, who owns it, was an original member of that church. And so we loaded some of them up, brought them up, and uh, all of his carpenters looked at it and said, no, there are no nails in them. The nails in those days were square and a flat end on them. So, the, little, the nail and the nail and a little bitty narrow piece, you know, bust it is what it would do. And there wasn't any glue. And he sent us to an old cabinet maker over on North Royal. And this old fellow came in. he was pretty close to 90. And he took a couple of those windows and pulled them to the end of that pickup truck. And he just snapped them together. And he said, Is that what you want, Mr. Billy? I said, Yes, that's exactly. He said, They're like tinker toys. They lock together, they interlock, That that's what holds them. And we have a lot of the original gr- glass in them, the old wavy glass with the color, you can see the color in it in the, in the afternoons. So we managed to put six of those great big windows back together downstairs and six upstairs of the original windows. And we even found the crate that the glass was shipped to, to Denmark. Mm. So, so we did that, and a lot of times projects like that Somebody in the neighborhood will just say, I can do that, we'll Mm -hmm. do that. And so we um, have stumbled onto something that has been the most interesting thing that we've ever done. The church, the sound in the building is outstanding. Number one, it's wood. Everything is wooden. Mm -hmm. And so that helps sound, of course. And then the ceiling is 18 foot tall, so you're going to have good sound. You can just walk around and talk in the building. The first that we really heard was we had an old piano completely restored back to where it was original. And when we moved it in the building and heard it the first time, everybody's just looking at each other like, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And matter of fact, now we've had four or five piano recitals in the building of Jackson music teachers bringing their students down and doing the recital on that old piano and in that old building, really. And then uh, we... um, I I play the organ. I've been playing all my life, and uh, church organ. And I was going to play for a funeral. And they were requesting an old hymn entitled, I'll Meet You in the Morning. And I couldn't find it. I kind of knew it, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I got on YouTube looking for it and found this huge auditorium, not a church. And they were singing, I'll Meet You in the Morning. And I realized they were singing out of a hymnal. And I couldn't see it. But they kept announcing the number, and they'd go to the number. And and so I ended up just watching it all the way through to see what was happening. And they were celebrating the 15th millionth copy of the Redback Hymnal. So I thought, well, I'll just find out who published that sucker, and I'll order. Well, come to find out, they were published up here in Cleveland, Tennessee, by the Church of God. Mm -hmm. It was their hymnal. And so I ordered two of them. And came in. Of course, that had I, very what I wanted in there, but it was nothing but very old gospel hymns. That's all the book is. And Horace Simmons is the organist for First Baptist of Bemis, and Horace grew up in the Pentecostal church in Bemis, and that's the hymnal they use. Mm-hmm. So he came down to play with me one day, and he said, "Bill, do you remember the old red back hymnal?" I said, Horace, I do. I've got two of them. So we began talking about it and said, you know, we ought to have a red back hymnal singing. Well, come to find out they were doing it all over America and primarily not Pentecostal churches or Baptist Mm -hmm. churches. And so uh, we decided it would be good to have the red back hymnal singing in the Denmark church. We've had five now, and it's standing room only. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is, is—just singing. Horace will kill me if I tell you this. <laughs> he was there and he got so excited uh, practicing. He came, he's an excellent pianist. And he came down to practice and, and he used to watch me while I go move my hands. Horace is real animated. And he got up off the piano bench and he said, Bill, Bill, I just tell you, the Holy Ghost's gonna fall on the Denmark <laughs> church. <laughs> well, it just about did. <laughs> he told the truth. But that has been highly successful. The hymnal is shape note. The old timey shape notes is what they are. The old do-re-mi is what it is. So we had a little trouble finding somebody who could lead those, that music, and, <laughs> and we did. We have a young guy who comes in each time and helps lead those things. But we'll have another one. We just finished one in August. We do them in August and March are the two times. Gotcha. We do them twice a year. So
0: lots of different things happening. Oh yeah, many things. Out at the Big Black Creek Historical Association. Had a
1: wedding a week before last at the Denmark Church. Okay. Church seats 300, 400 came to the wedding. It might be <laughs> Standing site. on the porch, yeah. you know, literally. And, and this is a white, white family, Mary, but the black congregation sang the recessional at the end of the service and sing the old hymn, Oh Happy Day, <laughs> as they went out. So yeah, it's very active. We we do something there constantly. Yeah. Something and, the,
0: and the Facebook page and the website are yes. great places to keep up. Yes, with Facebook,
1: real. You can see everything going on daily at the Facebooks. So.
0: All right. Well, Mr. King, thank you so much for for joining us and for, for choosing to come back to Jackson and help preserve its history. Thank you. Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It was recorded live at The Co. To find out more about The Co., visit their website at www.attheco.com. To find out more about our Jackson home and to read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit our Jackson home.